Okay, welcome to Time Buster Training. As you know by now, this is a series to inform you and inspire you on your fitness journey. So I'm going to be bringing industry experts, um, talking to Time Buster trainers who are in our tribe, and people that I've had the privilege to train in the time that I've been in the industry. So today we are speaking to Helen Lane. Hello, Helen. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. So you're going to know a little bit more about Helen in a second. So. We've got 20 minutes. I've got the trusted Casio here. Stop, start, repeat, or reset even. So let's just get going. So the time has started. We've got 20 minutes. So Helen, it sounds really official calling you Helen Lane. Um, you're a health coach. Tell us a little bit about you and, and your fitness journey and what's, you, what's brought you to here and now. Um. So I am a health coach and I think sometimes there's quite a lot of ambiguity about what that means. Um, I know we've talked about that in the past. Um, so what I really do, my expertise are in helping people identify the real problems that cause their self-destructive behaviours or habits so that they can sort of make real changes in their lifestyle that give them lasting results. Um, as opposed to sort of the diet mentality where trying to fix things at surface level and it doesn't really generally work out very well. Um, mostly I work with people who want to lose weight, who struggle with, thing, with, who struggle with things like um, emotional eating or comfort eating or overeating. Um, yeah, so that's predominantly what I do. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about what, what's your... I like to get into it's quite interesting when you speak to people who are in the industry um, yeah. it's really quite motivating and inspiring I talk about in the group quite a lot about some of the things I've have to overcome and some of the people we've had on who are experts actually looking into their fitness journey that it isn't just all plain sailing <laughs> so what, sure. how would you explain your fitness journey and your relationship with health and fitness so I've always been quite slim and through my teens I kind of was a bit too cool for exercise if you know what I mean <laughs> so um I think people probably perceived me maybe as someone who was fit but I didn't do any exercise so it wasn't so when I met my husband when I was about 22 he assumed like most that I was fit and he invited me to go for a run. <laughs> and cause like we were just newly dating and I was like, sure, I, I can run, no problem. <laughs> so we get going and I'm not kidding, probably about 25 meters in, I was like, my lungs are gonna explode. I felt like I was gonna be sick. And I was like, man, this is mortifying. And I think he was pretty mortified too, <laughs> lack of fitness. Um, and that was a little bit of a wake-up call, I think. Um, and that was the point at which I began to explore fitness uh, as like a complete newbie in it. Um, and I guess, I think once you've kind of caught the bug, it can stick with you. I think having an accountability partner is super useful. So because he was always into fitness, it was kind of a natural progression for me to sort of incorporate that into my life too um but I had babies really quick so um we had our first child just after a year of being together so 
there was lots of pregnancies, so lots of kind of breaks in that cycle. But when I really got into fitness, it was probably between my second and third child. Um, when I sort of discovered a love for the gym. And I really think that is what, what makes the difference. It's finding a way to move your body that you really enjoy. So for me, being quite small and dweeby and weak, like getting into the gym and discovering that I could actually lift like quite heavy stuff and uh, mastered the skill of it, you know, that was quite empowering for me and quite sort of um, just, I don't know, it was something just for me and it made me feel quite strong despite being small. Yeah. What got you, what was that trigger to, did you try other things? Did you come across that as like your first thing that you fell in love with? Or how did you make that transition into using the, in the gym and lifting and having that passion? Well, I joined a gym much earlier on than that. Um, and was never really inspired by it. I never really enjoyed it. It was more of a chore. So it was never sustained particularly. Um, but when I was living in Saudi, um, there was quite a, quite a big community of serious semi-professional weightlifters and bodybuilders. Um, and because of the environment, everyone knew everyone. So whenever I went to the gym, there were people who were very passionate about it, who really trained me. So I had lots of role models, um, people to kind of, who inspired me. Um, and I guess that's kind of part of it. So I've done very, I've done loads of different forms of exercise in my time. Like I went to a yoga class for a, a really long time, but that was only because I really loved the teacher. And <laughs> if she left, I never did yoga again. Oh, so right. it, it's almost like maybe for me, it's about people. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? How, because, and again, this is something that comes up when I speak to people about, I'm really intrigued about what was that light bulb moment or what was that trigger? Because we talk all the time, and I'm sure you do as well, about not really pushing people into anything and to kind of, but then also having a focus to go and do something, because doing something, you're going to go and find something that you either like or you don't like. And if you don't like it, well, that's fine. Let's tick that off and go and find something else. Um, so yeah. that's really interesting and people accountability is also a big thing isn't it about having that yeah link and that connection yeah like feeling a part of something yeah. yeah I definitely with my clients really encourage being very experimentative <laughs> if that's a word that's like, definitely a word <laughs> <laughs> like really exploring different ways of moving the body and getting quite um Sort of just curious about it and and coming at it from not this place of I need to exercise in order to be healthy or I need to move my body you know to lose weight because I think when you come at it from that it's it's not really that the right mentality to fall in love with something I think um, I definitely encourage my clients to to really feel where they can have joy whether that's joining like a netball club so that they've got like a group of girls so it feels more like a social interaction rather than a fitness class yeah or um you know an exercise i quite often go through them with is like thinking about all the things they wanted to do when they were young you know when you're young and you're a kid and it's like yeah i want to try karate or i want to yeah. like, do belly dancing or whatever it is 
Um, so I kind of get them to go through that exercise and see if there's something that they always wanted to try that they've just never got around to doing. And then I make them book a class or, yeah. you know, do the research and give it a try. Fab. And also what you were saying then, it kind of made me think about, it's also still okay then to, and I'm going to say the word fail because people don't like the word fail, but it's okay to go to something like that and to um, either just run its course, like you said about the, the yoga, it's yeah. okay to get to a point where you think, well, maybe I should go and do something else. Sometimes that's a trigger for people to go, oh, well, I'll just give up. Um, it's okay to go and try something that you wanted to do when you were younger and it's a bit of fun, but you think, oh, maybe it's not for me right now. So it's that mentality of going into do and then to adapt, to overcome and still go and do something else. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think people can get quite fixed, can't they? Or they have a preconception of what it means to exercise. Mm. And I think instead of thinking of it as exercise and thinking of it as ways to move your body, yeah. that feel good, then it's different. Like for me to sit in my lounge or in my kitchen and do a 20 minute HIIT workout, like I can't think of much worse. Yeah. <laughs> like to me, that does not take any of the boxes. So yeah. it's not something that I'm ever going to sustain because it's, you know, I've got to drag myself in there. So there's always a million different excuses not to do it. Yeah, but, it's funny you mention that actually, because obviously we, we've got the Time Buster training platform and, and wherever possible, people are always outside when we're doing the classes and we're lucky the weather's been really good yeah. um, people are either uh, they are literally most of the time have got some connection either there's really good lighting they're in a conservatory or they are outside so that's been fantastic to see i've just made sure that i've not disturbed the neighbors so i've been in my little <laughs> gym area i don't really want to start shouting in the back garden and being yeah. really encouraging and people are like what's what's this guy doing next door <laughs> <You're going in. laughs> i know yeah <laughs> so Tell me about um, the work that you do then. So let's talk about um, what it looks like um, when you work with somebody and what some of the common things, you've mentioned one already about some of the things that you do, but what, what do people come to you? What's the starting point for them? Um, generally, it's um, they've got to a desperate point. They want to lose weight. They probably done a lot of previous diets they've yo-yoed they've seen short-term results and then regained the weight. and um, a really common sort of theme that runs through is that they feel out of control especially okay. around food um, like you know they can be good for a few days or maybe a couple of weeks and then they kind of fall off the wagon and, and end up right back where they started so what many people don't realize is those habits and, and the self-destructive behaviors are as a result of like an, an underlying problem of dealing with stuff. So <clears throat> to give you an example out of my life, when I was um, living on my own with my three children and sort of single parenting and my husband was living abroad, during that time, I got quite lonely but didn't really want to allow myself to believe that I was lonely. But in the evenings, I would just, you know, turn to ice cream and chocolate and anything that I could get my hands on just to kind of fill that void. But at the time, I didn't really know that's what I was doing. I was just like, why can't I stop eating ice cream? Do you know yeah. what I mean? 
So I think it's just having someone who can guide you through the process of understanding what it is that you're actually wanting or what's the need that needs to be fulfilled or the, the void that needs filling. Yeah. Um, and then finding different tools and strategies to, to sort of meet those needs that don't involve food or um, all of those kind of things. And basically it all comes down to awareness. So I think a lot of the time we're just not really aware of what we're doing. Like we are, like we can see the end result. I know I keep eating the food, but we're not really aware of what's triggering it. Yeah, that's really, yeah, I like that. And, and what, so obviously that goes back to when we were saying about mindful eating and I kind of like put it all under the umbrella of mindfulness of yeah. self-awareness. So what are sort of the things that you, you encourage people to, how, how do people become self-aware? What are some of the things that you, you advocate? So it's funny you brought up mindful eating because I've really been exploring that the past few weeks, okay. um, personally. Um, my first ever experience with mindful eating was um, I went on like a six-week mindfulness course with my mum. And we sat around in this group of about eight people and the, the course teacher gave us a raisin, like a single raisin. Okay. And we sat there with this like lonely, wrinkly raisin on the palm of our hand and, and we were sitting there and we just had to really look at the raisin. And it was really funny because after I'd been looking at this raisin for a couple of minutes, I was like, I really don't want to eat that because it looks really weird. <laughs> I would stare at something for long enough, it just doesn't look like the thing that it does anyway so um and then you know we then smelt it and then we ate it and and it tasted different to any raisin i'd had before and it made me realize the power of actually being engaged in the process oh. there's something i'll quite often get my clients to do is say you know if there's something that they really love that they find difficult to control around eating some like chocolate is a massive one yeah i mean it's so delicious of course it is but if you eat like a few squares of Cadbury's chocolate mindfully, like you look at it, you smell it, and then you really like notice the flavors, the textures, the feel of it in your mouth, like that makes it so much more delicious. And interestingly, then the, the level of satisfaction from eating it goes up to the point where you don't need so much to, to satisfy that like want for uh -huh. pleasure. Interesting. So, so it's that quality over quantity. Yeah. And it becomes again, like it? you really enjoy eating it rather than like scoffing it in as quick as you can because you feel like you shouldn't be eating it. Yeah. So it's a really different experience. And generally, if you're eating something like that mindfully, it's very difficult to overeat it. It's really interesting. It begins to taste a bit too sweet and a little bit too rich. And then it's, you know, enough comes a lot quicker. Um, and then you can take the exercise a bit further, um, which is what I've been really doing recently. It's kind of following the story of my food. So um, I think we, we do have a connection and a relationship with food when we're more aware. Um, so I was, I've been thinking about what is it that makes me naturally drawn towards very fresh whole foods, whereas some people are naturally drawn towards like sugary foods or junk or like sort of processed foods. Um, and I was trying to think like, what is it about the way that I think about food that naturally makes me want to make those choices? 
So when I eat mindfully and I go through these exercises of following the story of my food, what I mean is like, so imagine you have an orange, like I love oranges, they're just the best, they're like little balls of sunshine. So then I'll imagine like a, an orange tree in Spain and like it's got the Mediterranean sun beating down on the leaves and the, and the fruit and then the roots in the ground absorbing all that nutrients and then that's all going into this orange and it's growing and becoming all plump and juicy and sweet and lush and it's absorbing all that like sunshine and goodness and light and, and nutrients you know and then I imagine the journey it must go on like onto the lorries and the aircraft and then to the supermarket and then there's me picking this orange now it's on my table and it's like I can follow the journey of that fruit yeah. And then when I'm eating it and I, you know, it's going into my body, I imagine that like all that sunlight and that nutrients and all that goodness is coming into my body. And that is what is making my cells. I am like the food is becoming me. And I think when you feel that way about food, it is such an amazing way to eat and it tastes better <laughs> as well. For yeah, sure. I can imagine. I and can I imagine think- people are like, I need to go and get an orange right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an orange. Yeah. Um, and they do. And it just tastes so much better. And I think when you begin to have that kind of relationship with your food, then there's a natural disconnect that then comes with foods that have to go through such big processes to become that final end product. Yeah. Sorry, the washing machine's finished. It's now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, for me, like when I'm eating, and this isn't to say I wouldn't suggest or lie to anyone and pretend to be someone who eats that way all the time. I don't. Last night I had a Domino's pizza and I thoroughly enjoyed it. (laughs) But it's about, you know, like when I have food like that, there is that slight disconnect. So then it's not really like my natural choice. It's not something I'm as drawn to because for me, food is what is becoming my body. And then I think about like, what do I want my body to be made up of? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I love the idea yeah, yeah. of being made up of sunshine and, and like, yeah. And it's, it's not demonizing food as well. That's one of the things that comes up quite a lot about having, and again, you mentioned it, having a relationship and being mindful with your food. And, it, and like you've just talked, then you become more aware and you're more in control of your choices and, and you're making conscious decisions yeah and it but it goes beyond that because it it becomes ingrained as to who you are after a while so it's not even like a decision process it's just you're naturally inclined it's just who you are and what you do and i think once you get to that point you kind of it's plain sailing to the end result that you want for most people yeah okay builds into the consistency then doesn't it into your habits and yeah exactly Awesome. You have so, to have that awareness to begin with. Yeah, so I can't believe it. We've only got a minute and a half left. <laughs> have you got anything that is kind of like, this is another thing that I just tell everybody? Um, awareness is your best friend. It's the best place to start and it will follow you through. Um, I think most of the time we, we live automatically and we think automatically and habits are just automatic. So if we want to make real change, we've got to sort of switch on, get into the driver's seat rather than the passenger seat, you know, yeah. get in charge of our life. So is there anything that, how, how do, so going back to you, how do you just quickly do that? 
Are there um, any triggers? Are these triggers and the accountability, what do you use as mechanisms? Um, well, because I'm a health coach, <laughs> um, health and fitness and food and all that is, is like right at the very top of my priority sort of chain. So I place so much value on it that, you know, it's always a part of every moment of my life in a way. And I think that's a bit different from the average person. Um, but it is just, it's kind of just having that certainty that you are 100% responsible for your own life and your outcomes. And you can choose at any moment who you want to be, how you want to live, where you want to go. Um, oh, is that the... Oh, my new little... <laughs> <laughs> I've added a timer to my Casio watch because quite a lot of the time we went over the 20 minutes. So because um, people, because it's great and the 20 minutes is fantastic because people can listen to this in bite sizes. Um, but but we might have to get you on again at some point in the future. And um, so Helen, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're so um, Thank you for sharing your story and your knowledge. It's been fantastic. I'm going to probably go and buy some oranges now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to um, put Helen's information in the comments below. So if you want to go and check her out, do so. Um, so thank you again. If you want to subscribe to our channel, make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel and make sure you follow us on your podcast provider. So thank you again and we'll see you all next week, guys. Take care. Bye.